Hello and welcome to the Hammer and Tulip podcast. It's been a while, but Gareth and I are back again with a really, really exciting topic this evening. So, uh, Gareth, welcome. Great to be back. It's been a while, but it's so good to be back doing this again. So, looking forward to this evening. That's it. Yeah, I'm really chuffed uh, to be able to get started with uh, the the H&T podcast again. And yeah, we've got a really interesting topic for this evening's discussion. Um, We're going to be discussing this doctrine of the orphan heart or orphan spirit. Um, It's it's a it's a, a doctrine and a teaching that's very popular in many charismatic circles, particularly uh, in circles that are aligned with with Bethel or with Catch the Fire and movements like that. Um, And, you know, personally, I have taught this myself in the past and um, I want to talk about it tonight candidly um, because my my position on it's changed. Um, Basically, we want to be asking the question, is it possible for a born-again, spirit-filled Christian to simultaneously be a spiritual orphan? That's the nub of the matter. Can a born-again, spirit-filled Christian simultaneously, at the same time, be a spiritual orphan? Can they have an orphan heart but be a new creation? Can he have an orphan spirit but be born of the Holy Spirit? And that's that's the key question we want to get at tonight. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited to dive in. Um, as I say, this this podcast, if you've not listened to this before, the Hammer and Tulip podcast, um, this is basically Gareth and I, two ministers, two, two pastors. Gareth uh, is in the C of E, currently down in, in uh, Farnborough, isn't it, Gareth? Farnborough, that's right, yeah, down in um, Wolverhampton. And myself, an evangelical pastor uh, up here in Wolverhampton. Uh, basically, um, the, uh, the Hammer and Tulip is, is essentially something that we came up with about a year or so ago, Gareth, isn't it now? Um, yeah, it's just over a year, I think. <clears throat> and uh, the heart behind it really is to examine some of the teachings which are being taught in in the church at the moment just hold them up to scripture uh, both of us are charismatics we firmly believe in the gifts of the spirit to today for today rather um we both had many encounters with the holy spirit and um you know both speak in tongues don't we and so we are we are absolutely charismatic and we're not here to want to bash on the charismatic church we are charismatics but at the same time in our theology we're calvinistic Um, we we believe the five soldiers of the reformation we are men who believe in the authority of scripture and so the hammer and tulip really the heart behind it as I say, is to just hold up many of the things that we're concerned about in the church, hold them up to the light of scripture and really just be a trumpet for um, the two sides of this of this thing that we've got going, that be a trumpet for both the word of God and the spirit of God. Um, and so that that's our heart. Our heart is not to just bash on things, um, but our heart is to um, speak the truth in love and, and hopefully do some good in in highlighting some of the some of the dangerous teachings uh, that that are at play, and, and also hopefully call some Christians into a deeper love with the Word of God. Call some Christians into a um, yeah, I guess I guess just a more fulfilling. Um, faith, you know, because that's what it's been for me this journey of uh, 
you know, of, of coming to know the doctrines of grace, of, of coming to love doctrine as I love the Holy Spirit, you know. Um, so that's what the H&T podcast is all about, Hammer and Shulet. Um <clears throat> So... Would you say that's fair, Gareth? You, you yeah, can agree with yeah, that? Yeah, absolutely right. And I think, it, it, again, it's that, it's that we love the church, we love the charismatic and, and the conservative church, and we love the word of God, we love the Holy Spirit. And we, we're really just concerned that where, where there's false teaching and where people are being misled that we in love, we want to step in and we, we just want to highlight things. And, and as pastors that we've been in ministry a little while now, and we've seen and heard quite a lot of things, and, and we want to be able to really these are conversations that people tend to not really have very often and they don't really get taught from the front of church or talked about very often and particularly people tend to be in their echo chambers don't they they're either the conservatives over there or the charismatics over there very rarely do you get people outside of their echo chambers actually talking about all these kind of things that's really what we're wanting to do on this podcast as well yeah, that's that's the heart behind it, and we're not here claiming to be perfect. Um, oh, far from it. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you'll, you know, you'll hear that in tonight's episode as I talk about uh, my journey, really, and uh, it's it hasn't been an easy one. And certainly, I'm not somebody who claims to be any kind of a theologian. You know, I'm a pastor, and yes, I do theology, but you know, I've. I've made mistakes and we're not up here claiming to be perfect. But what we are trying to do is just honestly appraise all that we preach and hold it up to the light of the word of God. You know, that's our job ultimately, isn't it, Gareth, as ministers of the word is yeah, to do absolutely. that. And so, um, you, you know, we're just trying to do that as best we can. So, um, yes, we hope that it's an encouragement to you. So uh, what we're talking about tonight is this doctrine of the the orphan heart or orphan spirit. Um now, I'm not wanting to assume that people know this teaching because you might not come from a, a church of a you know background like what I came from. Um, but this is a very, very prevalent, very popular teaching, as I've said, in uh, churches that are aligned with with Bethel, particularly with Catch the Fire. Um, lots of teaching there on it. And again, don't want to to bash particularly on people that teach this and say they're they're bad people that's not what we're saying there are many amazing lovely people that believe and teach this uh, i was one i was one of them though yeah. I'd, I'd hesitate to call myself lovely uh, but <laughs> no but, you're the man and tell you what i've met a lot of lovely i have to say i've met a lot of really lovely pastors and never forget to go into a catch a fire church and a pastor yeah. running out to give us a hug as we left i mean these yeah. are dear lovely people these are great people so we are absolutely not wanting to 100 you know, speak anything bad about anyone no not at all and I, as i say um I, I know many people that that have preached this and i've been so encouraged by them as christians and um even as we discuss this doctrine you know there are threads of truth that run through it like like with anything <laughs> that we evaluate in this podcast one thing we're always struck by is that there'll always be threads of truth in it and and there are in this too that we'll get to and we'll We'll talk about but basically this this teaching um the orphan heart teaching it's it sort of it did flow out of 
most recently has flown out of the kind of uh, the charismatic renewal movement and particularly the kind of Toronto blessing movement the the, the 80s and the 90s um, books were written by people like uh, Jack Winter and Jack Frost I mean that's crazy isn't it like yeah. Jack, Jack Winter <laughs> you and Jack that Frost up, you? you couldn't make it up um, books like um, From Spiritual Slavery to Spiritual Sonship um, uh, another book called The Orphan Heart by uh, James Jordan so there's there's a lot that's been written about this and it really has just kind of very quickly in the last sort of 20 to 30 years become um, become a, a real movement. Uh, so to the point now where you have churches all across the West that would identify themselves as Father Heart churches because this, I don't know if you know, but there's a, there's a whole movement called the Father Heart movement and yeah. this kind of orphan heart V's sonship teaching it is a component of the Father Heart movement, isn't it, Gareth? It's a it's a kind of a part of it. Uh, it's not a standalone thing. It exists within this this movement called the Father Heart movement. So uh, there's a lot of different threads, aren't there? You can almost kind of like see different things, but they all kind of come under the same umbrella, don't they? Quite a bit. Yeah, basically, if you you know if you've been to a church where you know the kind of the Father Heart message is preached then you can almost guarantee that this kind of message of the orphan heart is also going to get preached as well. So that the, yeah. the, they tend to come together. Um, and as I say, many good people do this. Uh, and I have experience of many of them. Um, so it's just, it's a very pervasive teaching and it's, it's really spread quickly. Like, hasn't it? It's really spread yeah. quickly in the kind of last 20, 30 years. And um, let me just take some time to, to kind of try and try and define it as best I can. Um, firstly, I know this teaching because I've experienced it. So, if you don't know my story, I've probably, I've probably like I've told Gareth, but I don't know how much I've rambled on on this podcast about it. But I was raised a Christian, um, always been a churchgoer, uh, committed my life to Christ as a, as a teenager, and then I just kind of. Um, you know, I would, I would be at church, but I wasn't particularly involved beyond being in the worship team uh, up until I moved to Wolverhampton and um, got involved with a church where this teaching, particularly the Father Heart message, was 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 really preached. It was very central um, to what we believed as a church. And uh, it was there, really, that I began to encounter this teaching. And I'd never heard really anything like it. Um, and... You know, a lot of it was really refreshing. <laughs> so, and a lot, and so, yeah. you know, some of the main tenets of this are really true and they're wonderful, such as the fatherhood of God. You know, God is a father. He is your father as a Christian. Yeah, amen. And he loves you. And it's just, a, you know, a world wrecking reality that we don't want to, we don't want to grouch on. <laughs> like, that's an amazing no. reality. And so, this teaching just, to be honest, it brought me a lot of life to begin with. Um, but, yeah, to the point where I, I ended up kind of teaching it because it, I, I, after a journey, I, I um, ended up being a pastor of this this same church, and uh, this kind of father heart slash orphanhood message, the spiritual orphan orphan heart message, was one that I preached. It was one that I taught in a school of ministry. I actually put on conferences called Father Heart Conferences, where we would actually teach this. And so I'm coming at this with some real personal experience. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I know 
I've seen the inside of it. I've taught it. And um, I'd like to think I'm pretty familiar with the doctrine. Um, it doesn't mean I'll get everything right. Maybe you know more than I do. But I'm going to do the best I can to try and define it. And then perhaps we'll talk about some of the ways that actually this teaching has been used really kind of um, manipulatively. <laughs> That's a word. Yeah. It's it's been it's been used in an abusive way, and I can attest to this. And I actually have to hold my hands up and say that I have used it in an abusive way, as in my former role. I, I you know not regularly, but I crossed the line with this because it is, I think, a very insidious teaching. Um, it's a very dangerous teaching. It's one that I think when you hold it up to the scrutiny of the word of God, it doesn't, ha it doesn't hold up. <laughs> it doesn't no, hold up. And in the wrong hands, this can become absolutely devastating um, for a believer who doesn't know their way around the Bible. It, it can wreck people's lives. It can hold people in, in all kinds of, you know, places of pain um, and yeah. depression. And it leaves a Christian with no assurance at all well, it leaves it, your faith in tatters doesn't it, it? leaves you, your you faith just... in tatters and and it makes you reliant upon these people that teach this doctrine it makes you reliant on their revelations on their wisdom on their counsel instead of on the word of god and let me show you let me show you how that is so this is all material that's taken from books and writings from some of these teachers and what they say is basically that we're, we're all born with an orphan heart uh, now the orphan heart i want to just be up up front about the orphan heart is not a phrase mentioned in scripture once no not once so red flags should be flying already the, the, when when a christian teaching is not mentioned anywhere once in scripture now you, you know there are examples that you could talk to me about where oh well that, that word trinity is not mentioned well okay but listen the new testament is replete with yeah. trinitarian doctrine yeah all right there are whole chapters on it but the orphan heart is not mentioned once in scripture so that should be a red flag to begin with and actually the greek word orphanos where we get orphan from actually only appears twice in the new testament and that's once in john 14 where jesus says i will not leave you as orphans and secondly in james 127 i think where it says you know uh, is it perfect religion is visiting orphans yeah dot 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 uh, so it's only mentioned twice never does it have the word for heart attached to it right it's it's never orphan heart so that should be a a red flag to start with but what what they say really is that this this orphan heart is something we were all born with everybody is born with an orphan heart but interestingly they say that you can be saved so you can be saved you could be a christian you can be born again of the spirit you can even be baptized in the holy spirit but still have an orphan heart you can still have an orphan heart even as a born-again spirit-filled christian and what they say is that this orphan heart can become a stronghold of oppression a stronghold of oppression so you can be as i've said a a, a fully spirit-filled born-again christian but actually be living a life in oppression because you have this thing called an orphan heart and what they say is that 
only an experiential revelation so catch that an experiential revelation of father god's love can displace the orphan heart or the orphan spirit okay so not the new birth not the infilling of the holy spirit in fact they say that your salvation in and of itself can't deliver you from this orphan heart and neither can the infilling of the holy spirit this has to be another encounter some other kind of experience that you have to have um, a revelation of the father's heart and that's what actually displaces this that's the only thing that can displace it um so he's talking about an encounter okay um so you and also this is the other interesting thing that they say is that they say that it's actually you so it's an encounter with god but it's you that have to displace it so they say you must displace the orphan heart with a heart of sonship so this is also something that you do it's an act that you perform um so you basically you get out of this trap this this oppressive trap not by the holy spirit but by you either inviting an encounter some kind of an encounter with the father's love or by you changing the attitude of your heart from the heart of an orphan to the heart of a son so Um, you're doing this yourself you're doing yourself other people are helping you to do this presumably like other or does god do this for you or you have to do this and someone else has got what if you can't do that yourself so they seem to say it's both so um yeah basically it's they seem to say on one hand that this is something that you encounter it's it's an encounter it's an experiential revelation from god which seems to be passive right it seems to be something that you encounter you're not doing that but at the same time the language very much says that unless you begin a movement towards the father's embrace you have to do this by focusing your life on being a son uh, you won't displace the orphan heart so this is equally something that you do um and what's really scary is that they say that there's actually no inheritance for spiritual orphans so they they would these teachers would say it's possible to be a born-again spirit-filled christian and be a spiritual orphan a spiritual that's appalling isn't it that's shocking this this is extremely toxic and what they say is basically that um there is a part of our inheritance because they clearly don't mean salvation but there's a there's a very key part of our inheritance from god that we don't receive they actually they don't they don't actually clarify it this teacher jack frost in his book does not clarify which parts of the inheritance orphans don't receive which is very worrying i'm making this clarification for him yeah but he says orphans don't receive an inheritance right and he's talking about orphan-hearted people here they don't yeah. receive an inheritance um so unless you are able to enter into your sonship through having this kind of esoteric encounter with the father heart you don't get an inheritance doesn't matter that you're born again doesn't matter that you're spirit filled you can't access this so that's really really scary stuff isn't it that's actually it's very corrosive stuff um so this is the this is the stuff that they say about an orphan let me let me just take a moment and describe for you some of what they say about a spiritual orphan they say that an orphan an orphan-hearted christian will be servile they they will they will get their value from how hard they can serve okay 
So they always define servanthood in negative terms. I don't know if you've realized this, but if you go to a church like this where this message is preached, being a servant is never looked upon positively. That's really interesting, isn't it? Isn't that funny? So that is very interesting. When you read the New Testament, like all the Old Testament, being a servant of God is a glorious thing. Yeah. In these churches, it's looked upon as being a bad thing. You know, you you're a servant. You're working. You should. You know, you're a the Martha. And poverty as well, presumably as well. If you if you're not wealthy as well, or you're not doing well, that's would that presumably be a sign. Yeah, well. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that definitely would be. Um, but yeah, you're a Martha. You're busy serving this. You know, you you have an orphan heart. Um, you're also apparently you are independent and self-reliant okay so if you have an orphan heart you're independent person you're self-reliant you're not able to open up and be reliant on others Uh, you're legalistic you're pharisaical you you like to do things like what we're doing now we would definitely be orphan-hearted gareth (laughs) having this conversation this is a massive red flag um that we're orphans because you you're not allowed to appraise things biblically isn't that funny you isn't that interesting Uh, so by nature of doing this we're actually being pharisaical and kind of actually saying is this true is this right this would would right now it would be a positive test it would be a lateral flow plus pcr positive test that we are spiritual orphans mate oh, goodness me we would have yeah we would have passed that test so uh, orphans are insecure they strive for approval from mankind um, they're works-based in terms they think that they can earn god's favor by working for it um, they have a low self-esteem they struggle with sin and addiction they're jealous they don't respect authority uh, they attack others failings um, they can't accept others successes uh, they accept no failings on their part at all they're guarded they're in bondage to fear um, they live life feeling homeless they're ambitious and they're manipulative now that's stripped straight out of one of these sonship books okay now yeah. i'm gonna ask you a question does that list sound to you like it's a list about a christian not at all there's no way is there not in the slightest that's not a list defining a christian but that's what they say is a christian who has an orphan heart so this is this is the craziness of this teaching is that essentially I, i don't actually think they're defining a christian when they define somebody with an orphan heart if somebody lives like that you know all the time they're not a Christian. <laughs> it's just unregenerate. They don't have the spirit of God living in them, do they? They're not so, born again. Exactly. No. So, yeah, I mean, the, the flip side of it is they, they obviously contrast the orphan-hearted Christian with the son, okay? So they believe it's yeah. possible to be, you know, that there are sons and there are sons, okay? In this teaching, there are two classes of Christians. They split these Christians off into the orphan-hearted Christians and the Christians that are really, they really got it. They understand sonship. They're walking in their sonship. That's always a big thing Papa they will God. say. That, yeah, God. they call God Papa, Daddy. You know, um, that they they use that kind of very, um, it's it's childish language, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, infantilizing kind of sort of speaking like like you're a toddler when yes. you're a man in your fifties or whatever. You speak like a toddler. Oh, Papa daddy and it's yeah. odd it's strange um, like, imagine if you spoke would you like a guy in his 50s whatever he wouldn't speak to his earthly dad like that 
No, he wouldn't. Like, if you went to his dad and go, oh, daddy, you'd be like, uh, dude, that's a bit weird. You're 55. <laughs> you speak to me. Like, why are you speaking to God like that? It's, you know, it's ridiculous. But they do. And, and uh, I remember when I first heard this and I was really offended by it, if I'm honest. But again, in this teaching, what they do is they gaslight you. Okay, so guess what me being offended at somebody calling God Papa is? It's oh. a sure sign that I'm a spiritual orphan. You've got you're an orphan spirit, right? Exactly. So this this is one of the biggest signs that this is a is a false teaching is when by you even questioning it, by you questioning the teaching, it proves the teaching. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah 100%. That's always always a red flag. It's circular reasoning and it's scary. So at first I was very offended by this. Um but then I was obviously listening to the teaching consistently. I was told that I was offended by it because I was a spiritual orphan, okay? The reason why I was offended was that I hadn't understood or accepted the teaching. The only way uh, that I could progress as a Christian was to accept that I had an orphan heart, that that was the root of all my problems. And if I could just receive the love of God, then my problems will all go away um so that's that's essentially the teaching is that it gaslights you so it says okay so you've got legitimate questions you've got questions about this movement you want to hold this movement up to the bible well that's because you're an orphan i mean how's that any different from a cult basically it well it's that's the danger is it? it's like super culty in the way that it, it manifests is. itself and it gets worse gareth this is the thing and i have to confess like <laughs> because there are threads of truth in this movement like i've said like the love of god the father is real and you can encounter the love of the father you know i had genuine encounters with the father in that movement yeah but that doesn't make the teaching true no, i don't know if that makes sense but yeah absolutely it's yeah i think a lot of christians struggle because they'll say well you know okay well the teaching might not be biblical but i've encountered god through it okay well that doesn't mean that the teaching's true does it no it's like well the way i felt the encounter that i had justifies this teaching um or no what would justify the teaching is if it lined up with scripture with god's infallible word unfortunately our feelings are not infallible but god's word is so that has to be the yardstick by which we measure everything that's why we believe in sola scriptura and that's why we preach that on this podcast and we we would encourage all christians to embrace this approach that the reformers taught us which is there's only one infallible yardstick and it's not your feelings it's not your feelings and i know that even my encounters with god um are prone to fallibility okay so uh, i want to trust god's word so yeah there's a difficulty in i think appraising this movement because as soon as you try to do it if you're in a church like this you'll get told "Ah, you know that's that's just your hurt speaking that's just your orphan heart speaking that's it's just because you've got an orphan spirit um oppressing you that's the kind of language that's used and this is gaslighting gareth this is spiritual gaslighting and it also it, it's really really easy to start to abuse this teaching um if put in the wrong hands and I, i'll be honest i'll hold my hands up and say i've done it and i've asked yeah. for forgiveness for this because what you end up doing is as soon as somebody 
in your church your network wherever begins to question you begins to have concerns maybe about this teaching or or anything that you're doing anything at all you can just write them off you know i remember i remember getting an email it wasn't addressed to me but it was somebody i was in um a leadership with we got an email addressed to us as leaders that wasn't particularly friendly um but it was from a well-meaning christian it was from somebody who wanted the best for us but didn't agree with something that we had said okay and they wanted to challenge us they wanted to correct us and they had taken the time to write this email not me not sweary not vindictive yeah, yeah. but you know clearly this person took strong exception to the way we'd handled something and it's very easy and in fact i did just to say ah, well that's their orphan heart speaking right not dealing with what they've said at all not handling what they've actually said at all not allowing myself to be challenged by it you just simply sweep it under the rug and say well that's just an orphan-hearted christian that's just an orphan-hearted christian you see their real problem is their real problem is they don't walk as a son they see us having all this success and they just can't handle it and that's why they're really it's upset pride isn't it really it's, it's pride. pride and it's it's what we call gaslighting it's it's yeah. it is supplying the motive for somebody's behavior for them yeah. right you don't take them at face value you, you don't hear what they're saying you supply the motive for what they've said oh you're saying that because you're this no you can't assume that you can't assume no. that you're saying that you're hold you know you you're wanting to hold me to account because you're a pharisee you're you, you're an orphan-hearted christian and you're in bondage and um unless you accept my teaching you'll never be healed and it it, it really does get abusive this teaching and i've seen it happen i've seen it happen and the I mean, that up- comes from a pastor and that comes from a pastor to a congr- to a member in the congregation because it's always so much more damaging when you've got someone you know someone you respect and looked up to telling you that you're a pharisee that you're um you know that you're doing this and you're doing that and it's because of your orphan spirit and you're on the back foot aren't you you haven't you are you are and unfortunately it's it very seldom even gets to that because these people are just dismissed because what's happened with this teaching is you've separated the church into first and second class citizens okay and the second class citizens don't really deserve our time you know no. well they oh, they're just orphan hearted and we've we've told them to get on the journey but but they haven't really demonstrated that they can do that they haven't really received the father's heart and what you know they haven't come along to the conferences we've put on so you know that just shows that they they've, they're struggling with orphan heartedness and it's really really sickening when you look at it because it's almost like a yeah well it's it's putting a divide in the body of christ it's putting a yeah. divide in the body of christ that that the that, that god never put there um it's denying that salvation sets an individual free is denying the words of christ in my view um in saying that the, if the sun sets you free you should be free indeed yeah well apparently not right apparently not according to these people um and so yeah so that it's an extremely 
dangerous, insidious teaching in my view. And, and, and it goes unexamined. It goes unexamined, I think, in the church because often those who teach it are really well-meaning, lovely people. You know, they're, they're cream slacks and loafers types. You know, they're, they're not your kind of like dangerous looking type. No. They're lovely people. But the teaching is really dangerous and and at best it's unbiblical at best it's unbiblical at worst it's rank heresy you oh, know yeah. like it it really does go that far where you're denying the work of the holy spirit in somebody's life you're denying the power of the new birth um and you're like you say you're infantilizing people um you're kind of deifying you're glorifying this kind of like child like oh papa that you know and turning god into like a sugar daddy yeah like this is yeah we carry on you're doing that's what you're doing essentially as well is you're actually undermining the gospel altogether because the thing that i've noticed about this whole movement is the whole point of it is and you'll hear people saying things like you've got to know the father heart of god and you've got to have that deep experience and revelation of God and then you'll level up and you'll start ministering in signs and wonders so it's this kind of like new age kind of Avengers X-Man theology from the from the cinema <laughs> where you know you, there's there this person was and they you know that they discovered who they really were and they discovered all these superpowers and they went out and they conquered and then so you can imagine that 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 kind of rolls off into kind of well you know we're now going to disciple nations and we're going to advance the kingdom of God and we're going to do this and because we realized who we were and we uh, were able to step into our sonship and yeah. we're able to do even greater miracles than Christ and really at the at the, the bottom of it all the sum total of it is the idea that being a christian is about having some superpowers where you go around zapping people operating as little gods and bringing whole nations under the rule and reign of christ yeah and yet it's not actually about you being a sinner who's forgiven and and brought into relationship with god so that the adoption is actually that you you step into sonship by nature of justification by faith and being adopted yeah and the whole idea of being forgiven and that that is all stepped to one side so the whole idea of i'm a sinner i'm a lawbreaker and yet through christ i'm offered forgiveness and and that is what it is to be adopted it means i'm no longer under the law instead it's well you know you haven't leveled up yet that's it and that's the thing i find so staggering about and you'll hear people saying things like i've heard this said in charismatic circles oh you know what it's just the conservative evangelicals they're they're more concerned about the work of Christ on the cross. But as charismatics, we're more interested in the works that Jesus did. So we're yeah. more interested in doing what Jesus did. So it has it has no real salvation narrative, at least to my ears. No, it's not really talked about. Um, this is definitely a doctrine that is taught to Christians. Um, and yeah, as I said, you, you're absolutely right. I think the danger of it really is that it says you can be as i say born again spirit filled okay but you need another encounter you need something else uh is that thing mentioned in the bible no this is (laughs) so what we're talking about is dangerously close to gnosticism if not gnosticism neo-gnosticism it's this thing of you need to have have this kind of extra knowledge in order to receive an inheritance from god unless you have this you don't get an inheritance. You it's know, a secret knowledge. You have to have that experience. And everyone's, can you imagine people sat in a congregation going, 
how how do I do this I've well, tried Greg, everything else this is a problem because it, it does it does generate that kind of frustration in Christians I mean I don't know how many times I'd be like I just can't receive it I can't get it I'm not feeling it you know everyone around me in this conference seems to be weeping and getting this amazing encounter with the father I'm just not getting it and and actually it the problem that they say is with you then. They say, well, it's just because you can't receive. You need to learn to receive. <laughs> That's your problem. You need to learn to receive. And so they and You're turn, back to being an orphan spirit again. Yeah, so, they, oh, they, it's because I'm an orphan spirit. And, That's and, why and you can't you think, receive, yeah. How can I receive? I'm an orphan. I don't want to be an orphan anymore. How do I stop being an orphan and start receiving? Well, here's the problem, right? Receiving your salvation in the Bible comes as, as a condition of believing in Christ, right? If you believe... Yeah in your heart that Christ has saved you from your sins you shall be saved you don't need to learn to receive that salvation no right? do you know what I'm saying it's a gift isn't you it learn we the, should boast the technique to receive alright okay we well, have to stand like this you have to put your hands at a 90 degree angle okay you got that yeah okay now just begin to close your eyes and just rock back and forth you know kind of make some noises whoa shoot oh wow right there's none of that you just receive that by virtue of the fact that you have believed it's very simple but what this doctrine teaches is that actually receiving itself is a work okay yeah. it's a work you have to do you have to learn to receive if you can't receive well you know you'll just remain a spiritual orphan you'll remain a second-class christian citizen you'll never level up as you say you'll never walk in signs and wonders like us because we're so wonderful you know and what it does is it breeds a reliance on these teachers it's like snake oil you've got to buy their books yeah. you've got to go to all of their conferences you have to use all the the terminology and that terminology is homogenous mate it, honestly like yeah the, the manifestations the way they talk the way the words they use it's the same the world over um and funnily enough it only seems to crop up in kind of well-to-do western charismatic churches <laughs> yeah funny that <laughs> funny isn't it that um but um this this is the danger of it is that it creates frustration it creates a divide in the body of christ that god never put there it denies the power of the work of the new birth it denies sanctification um it says this is something you have to do um and unless you get this encounter then you are doomed to a life of oppression even as a born-again christian yeah. so it denies the sovereignty of god obviously um as all these teachings do so it's really insidious and dangerous i hope that's that's as clear as i can make it yeah um you know there are some threads of truth in it and 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 it is true that all of us are born in original sin all of us are born sinners you know um there's no need to superimpose the phrase orphan heart over it we're born sinners rebels so we're, we're rebels. rebels that's it we're not and this is again the problem is that sin is viewed as kind of a it's an ailment you know you're it's, broken you've got your you're, you're broken. broken daddy didn't hug you enough when you were younger exactly or and that's the other thing this is the other thing is basically a lot of the damage in the life of a spiritual orphan they will say is that because you've had a negative you've had a negative experience of your earthly father and that's why you are the way you are so you need to have now a positive experience of a, a father you need to yes know who god is and this is a true teaching you need to know that god is a good father that god is a loving father that he actually loves you he wants to know you um he is rooting for you in your christian life these things are true but the way they put it they don't make 
they don't make a case for you being broken because you're actually a sinner um <laughs> the case yeah. is made that you're broken because poor old you you know um life happened to you and it wasn't fair uh god never wanted that to happen he never meant for that to happen and you know god basically becomes this kind of powerless sugar daddy who you know just wants to keep giving you a bigger teddy um but you don't know how to <laughs> yeah. receive it that's the problem you just don't know how to receive it that's why your life's such a mess um and so it's just a quite a dysfunctional relationship that you're supposed to have you, you're always infantilized you're always supposed to be envisaging yourself as a as an infant uh, in this doctrine um and so yeah it's it's dodgy it's very dodgy <laughs> yeah that's about as much as i can say really i, I think yeah the the key texts are obviously romans 8 I think it's Romans eight fifteen, isn't it? That's right. Um, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Now, what would you say that spirit of adoption is? Spirit of adoption is, is to be forgiven and reconciled and brought into relationship with God through Christ. And it, it's, you know, the, the whole of Romans 8 is talking about no longer being in condemnation and no longer being under condemnation as lawbreakers and living by the flesh but it's being redeemed in christ and living by the spirit so it's actually talking about no longer being a slave to sin and yeah. so when you're under under sin that means that you're under judgment and that means that you live in fear that's that's what what it's talking about in terms of fear but in christ we have been adopted into god's family as sons and heirs and that's evidenced by the Holy Spirit living in us. So that's what moves us to cry out to God as Father. So he's no longer a God that we don't know, a God that we, we can't get access to and know that, we, that we're never going to be good enough. He's now our Father because we've now been adopted into that relationship with him. Mm. And it's, you know, that, that's the, the whole argument in Romans is about it's no longer being condemned by the law of God. And uh, as sinners, we can do nothing else but break the law. That, that's what we do. We just prove ourselves time and time again as being rebels and lawbreakers. But now instead of being enemies with God, you know, we're, we're no longer enemies through faith in Christ. We're reconciled and adopted as his children. So this is all about what it is to be brought into relationship with God, to be forgiven and to be children of God and, and, to, and to have that eternal relationship with him. And it's really a very simple gospel truth. Yeah. Um, so that's been twisted out of, out of context. And would you say, because obviously it says here in this verse, it says, you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, capital S, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. But doesn't Abba, doesn't that mean in Aramaic, isn't that like daddy? like papa yeah. so wouldn't wouldn't it be right then to call god by that kind of term like by like papa daddy rather than father i think to be honest with you that, that the problem with this is that it's if you're talking about your earthly father you wouldn't you wouldn't refer to him as daddy he's your he's your father it's really talking about more of a, a familiar term that he's your he's your father that who you know mm. but you're you're talking to to father uh, your heavenly father in a familiar way as someone that you know but with reverence so you're not going to speak to your earthly father as as sort of daddy or papa are you you're going to call him father he's someone you know he's not just bill or dave or whatever <laughs> he's 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 your father so 
you know, this is, I can see that the tension here, but when you're referring to God almost like a, like a toddler, I think the problem here is people misunderstanding when Jesus says that you must be like little children unless you'll enter the kingdom of heaven, that yeah. they think that that means you have to behave like children. You're like, no, no, that doesn't mean acting like an infant. That means having faith and having, having a reliance on God yeah rather than yourself and and trusting him and so i i, I yeah i can see what you mean that and that this is one that's where the tension is that it it is kind of like a a more of a a childlike phrase but that doesn't mean that we interact with god in an infantile way i think it's a very subtle thing but actually you can see as you've already mentioned when we're addressing god like we're toddlers when we're grown-ups it somehow misses the force of what this actually is about, which is actually relating to God on a very personal level as you know, my, my, my father who, who loves me and knows me and cares about me. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think also it's true to say, I, I've heard the story before, you know, if you go to certain parts of the Middle East now, you'll hear little kids running around and calling out to their fathers, Abba, Abba, you know, like, and it's daddy, daddy. And yeah, it is a familiar term, but it's also true to say that adult children in the Middle East also call their daddy or their father Abba. And it's just a close term for a father who you love and you know. And so yeah. I think it's, yeah, it's an interesting one. But I I think um, what's really interesting is in this book, From Spiritual Slavery to Spiritual Sonship, um, the guy makes an absolute dog's dinner of trying to exegete this passage. And he says, he says that the spirit of adoption isn't actually the Holy Spirit. It's not a, the Holy wow. Spirit. It's actually a heart attitude that you cultivate. Right now, where he gets that from, I don't know. No. How, how do you <laughs> yeah. verse 15 for you did not receive a spirit of bondage against fear but you received the spirit of adoption how do you receive a heart attitude <laughs> yeah how do you receive a heart attitude you can't do it you, you don't receive a heart attitude so um this guy's clearly twisting the scriptures in order to kind of stack up to what he wants to teach um and i think yeah that the doctrines of um justification um and adoption they're not the same, but they go hand in hand. They go hand in hand. They go together, don't they? Martin Lloyd-Jones taught this. Yeah. These doctrines go hand in hand. The new birth, justification and adoption are not the same as one another, but they go hand in hand. So being filled with the spirit, um, you are also simultaneously adopted. That's what it says in, in John's gospel in the first chapter, isn't it? You know, to those who believed, he gave the right, I think it is, yeah? As many as received him to them, he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. So what's the condition uh, to being a child of God? Well, you're not automatically a child of God, but you are a child of God if you believe in his name, if you believe in the name yeah. of the son who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And... Um, you know, this case is made over and over that the child of God is somebody who has believed the gospel, who has faith in Christ, um, who is born again. You you are simultaneously, amazingly adopted into God's family. And I think the really insidious thing that's taught in this movement is that basically you can be a born again, spirit filled Christian, but actually miss out on your inheritance. Yeah. that's what they teach you can you know you can miss out on your inheritance you're not going to get it um because you aren't 
walking in sonship whatever that means and they don't this is the other thing is that they hijack biblical terms and make them mean things that the bible never meant them to mean um <clears throat> like this kind of sonship thing they turn sonship from being something that you know is is the identity of anybody who was born again they turn it from being that into something that actually you don't have uh yeah okay like legally you're a son but you're not really a son that's it, it's just yeah. and ephesians obviously is our go-to for that um if we read ephesians uh let's go chapter one from verse 11 so in him also we've obtained an inheritance we have obtained an inheritance it says being predestined love that word according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will that we who first trusted in christ should be to the praise of his glory in him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth the gospel of your salvation in whom also having believed you were sealed with the holy spirit of promise who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory so <clears throat> the holy spirit that we receive is the guarantee of our inheritance so if you have the holy yeah. spirit it's the guarantee of your inheritance you have received your inheritance it's the down payment yeah i'll tell you a story with this um as a, a guy who he'd kind of come to faith and was explore he'd been exploring faith and he'd come to faith on a christianity course but with, uh in my previous ministry context and he was really struggling with how could god forgive him for things he'd done in his life and yeah. it just weighed really heavy on him and so he met up with me for a coffee and we just sat and we talked and yeah but how could he god forgive me how could how could god forgive me and so I just opened my Bible to Ephesians chapter 1 and just passed it to him and said, read that. Started reading it. And he suddenly looks up at me, like wide-eyed, and says to me, well, if this is true, this is the greatest news that there is. And I said Amazing. to him, well, it is true. And it's the greatest news that there is. And this is the reality that you might feel like you're holding on to Christ with your fingernails, yeah. but he's got an eternal hold on your soul and he's never going to let go. Amen. And the fact that God created you knowing all the bad stuff you do in your life, not only that, he created you and, and chose you for salvation even before the beginning of the world and before creating you. Yeah. And if that doesn't sort of make you fall backwards off your chair, go, that is amazing. That's, that's biblical truth. A lot of people struggle with it, but it's the truth. And I think if we're going to talk about two types of Christians, I mean, you said mentioned earlier about, you know, in this, in this church, there are like two tiers of Christians. Well, I'd yeah. say, I would say that I think there are two kinds of Christians and you and I can be either one of them on any given day. There are those who are miserable and depressed and there are those who rejoice and those yeah. who are full of joy. <clears throat> and the difference between the two is having the joy of your salvation. Yeah. So one day you can just be so miserable and just so, is that an orphan spirit? No. It's the fact that any of us can lose the joy of our salvation. We can be saved, but we can still live in fear and sadness. Yeah, and you're right. When we have the assurance of faith, 
And it's what Christ has done for us in the heavenly realms. That's why I think it's so beautiful in, in Ephesians chapter 3. And you see that actually what the Apostle Paul does in, in Ephesians chapter 3 is he prays for them that they would have an experience of that which is true in Ephesians 1 and 2. It says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth is named, that according to the riches of the glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being that you'd know this to be true for yourself. Yeah. Because you know, if you know it, then you'll have the joy of your salvation. If you don't, you, you know, you're still saved, but you're just going to be carrying on, you know, feeling miserable and, and flat. <laughs> but this is, uh, this is the reason why, I, re- I think the reason why so many Christians particularly don't have this joy is because it's not preached in a lot of pulpits, particularly in the mainstream no, kind of charismatic not, no. churches. People aren't being taught this and said, look, this is the reality of it. That you, you know, you need to have this joy in you, um, yeah. and and that joy comes from knowing what Christ has done for you, and it's what's already been done, and actually that the salvation that you have, that you've been, you, you've had that deposit of the Holy Spirit in you, you just may not recognise that for yourself, and you may feel full of fear, but the reality is so much greater, and I just feel that that is for me the key thing that that breaks my heart deep down that there are so many Christians that they are saved yeah. and yet they live constantly <clears throat> feeling that they need to do something more or that they're an orphan or, or they're missing whatever an it might encounter. be. Yeah. yeah, they're missing an encounter when actually all There's they need is just to be told, no, let me tell you what you actually have in Christ. Let me explain it to you. Yeah, I think you're ah. right. Like when you when you read the epistles, like when you read, read uh, like you've mentioned Ephesians, right? The applications as in now live this way or yeah. rejoice or be joyful or whatever always comes after he's built upon doctrine okay so it's always kind of like know this yeah so that you may live like this know this live like this okay he never, always goes in that order doesn't it always in that order yeah he's like <clears throat> you never catch him going okay guys you've got all these problems i've heard about this sexual immorality here i've heard about this uh, sectarianism over here problem is is you haven't had this other encounter um that we kind of haven't mentioned to you yet but it's, it's because you haven't had this encounter that's why that's not the way he talks he he, he always builds off of doctrine and then into yeah application then into how you're supposed to live and i think you're absolutely right is when you starve a christian of doctrine you do leave them vulnerable to living you know in that kind of way joyless or you know in bondage to depression or whatever you leave christians open to that because you haven't fed them with the knowledge of the truth you haven't reminded them we need reminding of it every day you yeah. know, like you said, I can be that Christian one day and be the joyful Christian the next. <laughs> you know, uh, that's the way it's that's, that's the way it is. But um, when you get that sonship pastor standing up the front saying, you know, you need to know that God really, really loves you. You just need to know that God loves you. How? Well, the answer is read Ephesians 1 and see what God has done for you. <laughs> yeah. But since the beginning of the, of, the, of the creation, he chose you in Christ for the glory of his grace that you'd be saved. So exactly. I've done absolutely nothing. In fact, he can't love me any more or any less than he already does. I can rest exactly. in that. Like that's what needs to be said. Stop all this Gnostic nonsense about, oh, you, you just need to know deep down. Like, no, you need to how else do you know other than what God says in his word and that we receive that as being the truth? That's it. it you know, it, it takes it out of people's hands and sort of makes it into this, you know, 
ethereal encounter that you have that you somehow know because of the you know it's very mystical and strange i'd say it's doctrine of demons i mean look at what the apostle paul says in 1 timothy 4 1 now the spirit expressly says that in later times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teaching of demons now i would argue and yeah. it might upset people but i'd honestly humbly argue that this is a, a teaching of demons if yeah. it so robs people of the truth that they need, that they're not only stuck on spiritual milk and not coming to spiritual maturity and growing to spiritual maturity, because how can you grow to spiritual maturity if you're not being taught the word of God and doctrine? But not only that, because they're stuck on spiritual milk, they are being subjected to these, these false doctrines and they can't even discern that they're wrong and they're being completely mugged. Yeah, yeah. And the thing is, you know, I think you're right, Gareth, because... The whole premise of this teaching is that there are some Christians who are spiritual orphans. Yeah. And actually, they make the case, or at least this Jack Frost guy makes the case, that actually it's the vast majority. The vast majority of Christians are actually spiritual orphans. They haven't unlocked this secret level <laughs> yeah. of uh, sonship, you know. And so what they do is they make Jesus into a liar. Yeah. Because Jesus says, doesn't he, John 14, he's talking to his disciples. He's talking about having to go away. John 14, 15 to 18, he says, you know, if you love me, keep my commandments and I will pray the father and he will give you another helper and he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth who the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he dwells with you and he will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. What's he talking about there? talking about pentecost he's talking about the yeah. coming of the holy spirit you know yeah. <laughs> of his spirit and so jesus promises to his disciples and therefore to all who are in christ right that he will not leave us as orphans however this movement says that he he will and he does yeah right he makes this teaching makes jesus a liar it says that jesus has actually left the vast majority of his church as orphans you know still in spiritual bondage uh, still living every day in legalism still living every day with this orphan spirit slash orphan heart despite having a new heart of flesh they have this orphan heart and so you know the teaching is built upon the real truth that you've just expressed which is that a christian can live without knowledge of these truths a christian can live sadly without assurance without full assurance that they are saved that doesn't mean that they're a spiritual orphan it just means that they're a christian who hasn't been furnished with that information yeah. uh, you know hasn't for whatever reason reminded themselves of these truths it doesn't make them a spiritual orphan no um so as we as we sort of wrap it up and begin to try and kind of tie all the loose ends up um it would be interesting to just talk a little bit about you know how have we how have we got here like how have we arrived at a place where you know in perhaps the fastest growing section of the church the you know the the pentecostal charismatic church which is the fastest growing on earth how is it that now this church is just flooded with this kind of a teaching which is at best unbiblical you know how, how have we got yeah. to this place i think i mean it's interesting when you go back a bit and you look at, at various people in the past and one of which that really stood out to me i was reading about in um ian murray's book evangelicalism Desi uh, divided it's called and it talks about where things start going wrong mm. 
And he traces it back to uh, a German liberal church minister by the name of Frederick Schleimacher. I think that's how you say his name, Schleimacher. And so this is a, a liberal church minister who was active in the Reformed Church in Germany during a time just after the rather ironically named Age of Enlightenment yeah. of the 17th and 18th century. So this was the intellectual and philosophical movement that they, what they did was they elevated human reason and intellect above everything else. So Schleimacher finds himself uh, coming into, into action around this age of unbelief and this sustained attempt to completely undermine Christian faith and a belief in the supernatural realm. And so there's this idea that human reason was held up as the only means by which truth can be known and proved. So uh, Schleimacher, a man of his age, and instead of bringing people in Germany in that time, back to the word of God. What he did was he disposed of the need for the revelation given in scripture. And instead, what he did was reduce faith to being what we experience as being the most important thing. So mm. what he's done is he's binned Christian orthodoxy and instead adopted personal experience as being the important thing. And just to read from Ian Murray's book, and he says this of Schleimacher, he says, so instead of a straight denial of scripture truths, Schleimacher simply did away with the need for revealed truths and for an authoritative rule of faith. Christian experience consists of life, not doctrine. It derives from Christ, to be sure, but it is Christ within, not Christ revealed in Scripture. Isn't that familiar? That mm. oh, the, the, the Jesus that people talk about, who bears no resemblance to the Jesus in Scripture. Christ revealed, not Christ revealed in Scripture and by the Holy Spirit. The, the Bible is simply the original interpretation of the Christian feeling. And by means of our own feeling, we are able to add further interpretation. So he brings about this kind of everything hinges on experience. And yeah. he does away with holding to Christian orthodoxy and belief. And so all that mattered was was what was in a person so ian murray gives an example of one particular man who'd said to schleimacher well i i don't believe any of that stuff i don't believe any of that christian doctrine but i feel warm and fuzzy inside so i would say that i'm a christian because i feel like one so it's all down to my realities based on how i feel not what is true and whether or not i believe it to be true yeah and, and so and what's really interesting about this is when you think about this whole thing about personal experience being the most important thing and that person's truth being relative to them, doesn't that ring quite a few bells for us today? Oh, big time. That actually this idea of, well, I had an experience of God, therefore that's what makes this, this true. Yeah. whether or not that actually is true or not. And doctrine and theology, well, that, that's for the conservative evangelicals. They, they like that kind of stuff. We just kind of have these Gnostic experiences. And we, well, I mean, it's straight up uh, Schleiermacher teaching. It's straight up kind of, I suppose you might call it post-enlightenment and, and post-modernist and a, a, a sense of teaching that is based on your own version of reality, I suppose. Yeah. <clears throat> and I think that kind of obsession with your feelings and your experiences, your encounters, it really is quite narcissistic in many ways. Oh, definitely. Yeah, <laughs> it plays up to plays up to a very selfish worldview, doesn't it? Which is actually it's all about me and how I feel about the world around me. It does, and I think it kind of begins then to tear at the fabric of really what church is about, which is 
unity with Christ and with one another. And uh, in fact, it's interesting because you're 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 sort of looking at the start of it, you know, with Shire Marker and and um, you're moving through the liberal theologians of the early twentieth and um, postmodernism up into this movement today uh, there's a book I'm reading at the moment by a guy called Todd Brenneman it's it's not a uh, I don't think he's a I don't know if he's a Christian but he's a he's basically kind of a what would you call him sociologist something like that and he's written a book called The Homespun Gospel The Triumph of Sentimentality in Contemporary American Evangelicalism now I don't think he's quite got the right title because his kind of his case studies for what American evangelicalism looks like these days are books by Joel Osteen, yeah, um, Max <laughs> Lucado, extreme end of things, yeah, yeah. Um, so it's basically more kind of yes, very evangelism slash evangelism. <laughs> Slash such, kind a, of. such a such a term that we use a lot now, don't we? we find <laughs> yeah. it ourselves using that a lot, evangelic. Yeah, yeah. So it's more that end of it, or, or kind of uh, word of faith, prosperity gospel that he's talking about. But what he basically makes a case for is is that what you've just warned about has actually happened, and that what's happened in the church is that instead of ministers spending their time in the pulpit to expound the scriptures and preach doctrine um, they have instead used the pulpit to kind of push emotional buttons in their hearers hearts so go after emotional reactions right so think of whatever it is that will push those buttons of sentimental emotion in their listeners hearts and then play that you know play that note yeah. right hit that note don't hit any other note and so he says you know the sentimental appeal of modern evangelicalism or let's say prosperity gospel predominantly relies on narcissism right and that 21st century evangelicalism is more heavily dependent on narcissism than anything else to be successful. So it's dependent on people having an obsession with themselves, with an, an obsession with their own encounters, their own journey, their own feelings about who God is. And so what they do is they play to that and, and they want to hit... That makes sense of the pragmatism, doesn't it, that we've talk- covered Absolutely. in the previous podcast. Yeah. That really makes sense of why you'd want to gear everything towards people and what they might like exactly it's 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 gearing it towards whatever is going to get the kind of desired response which would be somebody feeling warm and fuzzy somebody feeling like you know papa god loves me and and what what they've also said is that these ministers have seen what works they've seen that pressing these emotional buttons gets the right response whatever that is and that teaching doctrine actually invites division uh, people don't always like that so we steer clear of that we we steer clear of intellectual inquiry because again that promotes division what we want is to get this unilateral emotional reaction of sentimentalism from people um, and if people don't get it it's because they're an orphan right yeah. they're a spiritual orphan or they, they, they're hurt they've got problems um, so I think, yeah, it, it, it really is a move away from not... See, it, it's a move away from, you know, 
doctrinal preaching or just going looking into God's word and believing that it's sufficient you know that everything yeah. we could need is in there and towards this thing of looking within you know which is always dangerous peering into our own hearts looking for always truth yeah. you know looking for assurance oh my goodness you know my heart is as treacherous as the, as the seas <laughs> yeah. as um as the uh what's the name galadriel says um in lord of the rings you know uh our hearts are treacherous you know that we 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 have good days and bad days and it's not where we're supposed to be looking for truth not supposed to be where we're looking for no. assurance um and so i think yeah you know this move away from doctrine and towards a kind of introspection shall we say yeah. has given rise to all these sorts of doctrines uh you know many preachers now are looking for what works you know they're looking for what works on a sunday morning what gets me the most likes what gets me the most watches what you know what inspires people what gets people walking out the church kind of giving it the big one and saying oh this is, you know this is awesome i'm feeling so pumped up well let's just give them more of that let's give yeah. them more of that and unfortunately you, you know you'll get you'll get some people that are really hyped you know that they'll yeah. want to invite other people to your church because they love it but unfortunately they're not going to be very well equipped for when they have a bad day no <laughs> for when they go no, through suffering for when they walk through the valley you know they're not going to be equipped and they are not going to have committed to memory these wonderful truths um of who they are in christ you know so the movement that professes to be all about identity in christ is in fact completely antithetical to true christian identity it actually runs yeah, contrary it to it and it robs christians of their true identity in christ yeah <laughs> it's like very true and it's, and it's it's pretty and it's pretty chilling when you when you put it like that and you think you realize this is something which has been allowed to carry on and and i think people are starting to get wise to it but hopefully a few pe more people after this podcast will have their eyes open to really how insidious that whole sonship and father heart of god movement actually really is and you go deeper into it mm. and particularly as you mentioned earlier about it kind of making jesus a liar you know yeah, that's yeah. Re really it's really serious when you put it in those terms and you realize actually if you're in that movement get out of there open your bible read it and find a decent local church that teaches the bible and and loves the people like christ loves them that's it you know always <clears throat> it's a red flag if if the church you're going to only ever talks about these things you know about the father heart of god spiritual orphans spiritual sons and you you're not getting anything else that that's a red flag um, that's Absolutely. something to be concerned about and not everybody who teaches this is a false teacher you know no. not everybody who teaches this is crooked and manipulative but what we're saying is that the teaching itself is pretty rotten and can be used extremely manipulatively and can be abusive and uh, it, yeah it should be you should give it a wide berth so <laughs> yeah we, definitely we, we hope you've enjoyed this episode we hope it's been worth your while listening to and we'll put uh, some of the resources that we've spoken about in the notes for you to check out um some articles and some books and other than that we are going to bid you adieu bid you anon for this evening and we'll be back again soon to discuss something else interesting won't we gareth we will but we're looking forward to it and i yeah. hope you've enjoyed listening to this this latest podcast it's great to be back again absolutely all right well god bless and see you soon take care god bless <laughs>